Welcome to From the Heart, the Diocese of Salina's official podcast. We hope you enjoy these stories and testimonies from our diocesan brothers and sisters that are straight from the heart. Thank you so much for listening. to all of you for being here tonight. Chuck and I know there are many places you could be on a summer evening and for you to be here, you know, we know how important this is to all of you. You know, a reporter asked me this morning, I was uh, doing an interview with Fox News and he said, tell me why you do what you do. Tell me why you believe what you believe. And I said, well, that's a long story, uh, but it all started really almost 45 years ago. And I was reflecting on that with even tonight's gospel readings. You know, can a mother forget her child? I can tell you that my birth mother never forgot me, even though she attempted to abort me. My story is one that isn't often heard in our predominant culture. The mainstream media has done a powerful job of silencing and shaming people like me for decades. And I am grateful to be a part of the Value Them Both team. My story is one that I could honestly sit here and share for hours tonight, but I'm going to share, you, share about the 10-minute version of it with you so you can understand what God has done in my life, how he has called me to this battle. And I hope that it's an encouragement to each and every one of you because the reality is, in the human sense of the word, I shouldn't even be here with you tonight. My birth mother was a 19-year-old college student when, like many women, she was forced to undergo an abortion. That's a pretty unpopular truth in our culture today, isn't it, to say so many women are coerced and forced. I now know that my birth mother was forced by her family to undergo the saline infusion abortion that was meant to end my life and forever change her. That abortion took place just north of here up in Sioux City, Iowa, And what usually captures people's attention isn't just the fact that I survived an abortion, but it's the circumstances under which it happened. Like many women, my birth mother was forced by people who should have provided her true resources, support, unconditional love. It was her mother who forced that abortion upon her. My maternal grandmother was a prominent nurse up there in Sioux City, Iowa. She was an associate dean of the nursing college, so she knew an awful lot about the scientific and the biblical basis for when life begins. But she also knew how to make a secret forced abortion take place, bypassing what were the hospital regulations and procedures at the time. My abortionist wrote on my medical records, he estimated that she was about 18 to 20 weeks pregnant with me. But the fact that I was able to live and I weighed nearly three pounds showed the medical professionals very quickly that she was much further along. And I can tell you that I hear that in story after story of survivors that I work with around the world. Those abortionists aren't performing adequate exams to know how far along a woman is. We know still today with chemical abortion pills being pushed, women aren't even being seen in offices to know how far along they are. And so that puts those women's lives in danger, and of course it puts the child's life in danger. That saline infusion abortion was the most common one performed back in the 70s. And I know it's not pleasant to hear about it, but I'll share a little bit about it with you. It, it involved injecting a toxic salt solution into the amniotic fluid that was surrounding me in the womb. And so the intent of that toxic salt solution was to poison and scald me to death. Usually lasted about 72 hours. The child's life was usually ended within about the first 24. 
and then they would spend the rest of the time inducing labor with the intent of that deceased child being expelled from the womb. I've met many women who have told me they could feel their child thrashing about in the womb fighting for their life in that abortion before things quieted and they knew that it was done. We know through my medical records though that I'm just pretty stubborn. I soaked in that toxic salt solution for five days because they just kept trying time and time again to induce my birth mother's labor and they weren't successful until the fifth day. They started to believe my birth mother might lose her life in that abortion because it was taking too long. And they of course believed that it would be successful in ending my life. You all have a birthday that you celebrate. August 29th <coughs> is now my birthday the feast of the beheading of St. John the Baptist, right? A little minor detail. It just so happens to be the day that I was accidentally born alive. We celebrate birthdays for most people in the world. And I wish I could tell you that when I was accidentally born alive that day, they celebrated. But I'm what people in our world call a dreaded complication of abortion. A live birth. I was initially laid aside there at the hospital, denied medical care while they argued about whether anyone would provide any to me. It was my grandmother who demanded that the nurses leave me there to die, unfortunately. And I am always so clear with people, nothing I've ever learned about my biological family ever changes the fact that I love them unconditionally, knowing that Jesus died for them as much as he did for you and me. I can't imagine what happened in my grandmother's life to ever make her feel like those were choices that she could make for my birth mother or for me. And I am not a victim in all of this because God spared my life and I was ultimately rushed off to the NICU by a nurse who was unwilling to just leave me to die. I was in the hospital for about three months before I was ultimately placed for adoption. I am not Catholic raised, but I'm a convert to the church. And I always joke to my parents, they're actually Catholic and they just don't know it yet. <laughs> our, our priest laughs a lot because I was raised Methodist. And he's like, Melissa, how did this happen? <laughs> uh, but my parents raised me with a heart of love and mercy towards my biological parents. And I'm forever grateful for that. I found out my story when I was a teenager by complete and utter accident, as most survivors do. And I found out only because my older sister faced an unplanned pregnancy and was considering an abortion. Our parents told her my story, hoping that she would make a different choice in her life. And I can tell you back then, I was absolutely devastated to find out the story of my survival. I didn't know anybody like me. Again, the mainstream media has covered it up for so many years. And I went down a path of destruction, not wanting to be who God created me to be. But I love that that gets to be part of his redemption story in my life because he taught me a lot about suffering. And now I get to use my suffering to help other people in the midst of theirs. He led me on a journey to find my biological parents. I started looking for them when I was about 19 and I didn't find them until I was about 30 years old. Found my medical records at that time too. Most survivors don't have any medical records, but I am one of the few who does. Through those medical records, I did learn, learn who my birth parents were and had to keep kind of forging a journey to find them. I was telling the bishop my oldest daughter was actually born at the very same hospital where my life was supposed to end, in the midst of it all. And there are many things I've told God over the years that I wouldn't do, and that was pretty high on the list. Uh, give birth at that same hospital? No, I, that's, uh, I cannot. 
but God made it clear that that was his plan of redemption for that hospital. And those medical professionals who had cared for me, some of them were still there. And that's how I ultimately found out that I was living in the same city that time as my biological father. My birth father passed away before we had ever had an opportunity to meet, but in the midst of his loss, his family found out about me and came into my life. My grandfather passed away during the pandemic at the age of 92. And I can tell you that my birth father's family was devastated by that abortion. I now know my birth parents were engaged to be married, had been together for four years before that abortion happened. An abortion doesn't just end lives, it changes people's relationships. And that's what happened. My birth parents never communicated again. And it changed both of their families. My paternal grandparents never knew. And they struggled with anger and guilt after the fact over the, over the sheer reality that they couldn't save their own grandchild. My path to my, my birth mother, though, is a bit more interesting and much more redemptive. I moved from Sioux City to Kansas City about 10 years ago. We moved here wanting to be in the city before our oldest daughter started kindergarten. And I'll never forget the first time my husband said, maybe Kansas City, what do you think about that? And I said, Ugh, Kansas City, why? We've been there. I, I was thinking Atlanta, just I had other plans. But we came to visit and I felt such a peace about it. And what I never could have imagined was that it was also God's plan of redemption and restoration and even reconciliation. Not long after moving here, one of my birth mother's family members reached out to me to share that there were lots of secrets that I didn't know. And that was about the abortion being forced and my grandmother being responsible. And also the big secret that my birth mother spent over 30 years of her life believing that I had died that day at the hospital. They had kept my survival a secret. She spent 30 years with incredible suffering and guilt. She questioned how God could ever love her. And the other secret that I never could have imagined is that Kansas City is where my birth mother lives. One of my half-sisters and my birth mother live on the east side of the metro. We live on the north side of the metro. My birth mother's name is Ruth, if people have questions about Ruth. If you asked my children about their grandmother, Ruth, they would tell you that she is the first one to send texts and call on birthdays. She sends the best presents. My, my children know Ruth as another one of their grandmothers. They know the story behind how we were brought together, but more importantly, they know that ours is a story of reconciliation and love. And when I was talking to the reporter th this morning, that's what I was sharing with him, is I was called to this battle from the moment I was conceived. And for years, I didn't understand that this is what my life would look like. I have a master's degree in social work. I led a pretty safe, comfortable life. And I stepped forward in faith, knowing that God was calling me forward. And never in a million years would I have thought I would give up a career to find a calling and so much joy and so much purpose. And as we were in Mass tonight, I was thinking about all of you. And what a blessing it is for me, personally, to do the work that I do and meet the Chucks and the Bishops and the people around the world that I get to meet. Because this is not just my battle, but this is each and every one of ours. 
And so this is how I became a member of the team. I, like Chuck, say yes to things. I am, I'm the shoot first, ask questions later kind of gal. Uh, my husband loves that about me. If you ever run into him, he might laugh a little bit about that. But I do know that God called me every time, and I always strive to say yes. And so this is an important time. And so people know me for the front-facing things that I do. You'll see me on, I've been on Fox a couple times here recently. I did the interview with Fox this morning. All the national news media are descending upon Kansas, and so you will see me more and more in that. But I've also been behind the scenes building coalitions of everyday people who support the amendment, whose voices deserve to be heard on this also. So as I have a a voice, it is simply part of my calling, I believe, to give you a voice and amplify it. So I just want to thank you again for being here. You know, if you have questions tonight about abortion survivors, I'm happy to stick around and talk with you. I'm kind of a walking encyclopedia when it comes to people like me. We serve survivors from around the world. We know that there are tens of thousands of people like me, including in Kansas. And we also serve women who have had failed abortions. That's another thing we've never touched in the pro-life movement up until now is serving women just like my biological mother who suffer and have guilt and shame and lots of uncertainty raising their child after an abortion fails. So I hope you find encouragement in the short version of my story tonight. Thanks for listening to From the Heart. Please subscribe and remember to tune in next time where you'll hear more stories across the Diocese of Salina. Thank you.